I'm sure you have crazy sales stories though from from ridiculous. Not really. I mean, you know, uh, I mean, mm. the, the thing is, the people I deal with is like you, as CEOs, vice presidents, and 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 to be quite honest, it's not crazy. They're they're cleverer than me. So I'm actually, you know, meeting all these amazing people. Say like, what's, you know, they give me views of Saudi Arabia as this thing, and I'm like, the people I meet there, they're cleverer than me. They speak English better than me. They, they <laughs> I don't know. That's true. They do. They're, you know, they are the really good businessmen, really top people. So, yeah, my view of the Middle East is a bit skewed towards how the Middle oh, East it's is. Amazing. It's like everyone's really clever. <laughs> I do agree that, that there is there is a big difference in culture wise and how business is done. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to say nepotism in the Middle East, but there is a heavy hand of nepotism in a lot of firms. Um, but I think more importantly, the the aspect of connections, of value of, of trust. Well, I think that's better than the West. You know, I mean, I. I agree. That, I'm not saying that negatively. If, if you find someone that delivers something for you and they deliver it on time, it's great quality, you'll ask them for anything, won't you? Because you trust that they're going to deliver. Whereas the West, when they constantly go out for new companies trying to get cheaper deals <coughs> and undercut them, you know, there's, yeah, you lose that. I mean, I, I do a similar sure. thing to you, right? So one of my big channels that I do for business is I run a free academy. Mm -hmm. right? And it's a... Uh, completely open it's hypergrowth.academy i you saw it go on there sign up and my goal is to train a thousand people for free this year thank you Dom. i'm up to over 300 oh wow the system already now out of those 300 a good proportion are now clients so give me the sales pitch then so you're you're, you're promising 40 percent growth uh 100 no, percent growth, 100 right? so, growth. Yeah, no. if you're okay. a small company mm -hmm. you're business to business and you're mm -hmm. a service type industry right so mm -hmm. you have a, a dc deal size five thousand dollars ten thousand dollars or more right whatever you're selling i'll work with you for six months i'll do a whole series of workshops to implement a new uh, sales pitch a new sales process look at how the way you do your lead generation, your wholesale strategy, and also do a whole chunk on attitude psychology of sales. Mm. So there's a whole series of workshops, re, you know, reconfigure your sales process, everything that you're looking at the market. And then every week I meet you, and we meet, you know, it's accountability sessions, basically, it's coaching, right? So every week I meet with my clients, and you just see each week they go up, 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 and then after six months, once you've implemented this and you've practiced it, that's it. You're away. You're flying. Yes. So, and it's, I mean, think of most small businesses. Most small businesses, particularly in Bahia and Saudi, but most small businesses around the world, someone started that business because they're passionate about soccer, whatever it is, like your business, right? Clothes or whatever, whatever it is that you're sure. passionate about. So you're an owner of a small business. You make it grow. You work hard. You get everything in place. 99% of small businesses has done zero sales training. They don't know what they're doing at all, right? They're basically going into the market, let's try some podcasts, let's try some email, let's try some, you know, trying to get customers. And if you just apply a basic system, it's basically sales for non-sales people. Right, that's what I do. This is exactly the reason. That was one of the key things I saw on your LinkedIn profile that clicked with me. And I was like, I want to know more about Miles. I want to know more about how he started this venture. And this is exactly that, 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 that little sheen I had and it clicked with me. And I, I find it brilliant because I think this, this concept of, of a sales strategy or sales academy is something that is common, but not that common, especially in Bahrain. Right? I don't know 
anyone else doing it live. You can get, so if you go places like the IBF or training centers, they do very standard sales training, but it, it's, it's just not targeted at small businesses that have to do the whole sale. They don't teach you exactly how to do a sales process. It's all very theory, whereas what I do is I'm going to work on. with you and sell, but we're, we're going to double your business. If we don't double your business, then we're, you know, we're going to work twice as hard and make it happen. So <laughs> no refund on that. We're just going to work harder. Well, I, do, you know, people, I like that. I like if that. If people negotiate, some people have negotiated refunds and cashbacks. So I do some businesses I'll guarantee. If it's, sure. if it's a real good fit, so if it's an obvious service-led industry, a decent sales size, I'll actually have a money-back guarantee. Oh wow! Their business and oh stuff wow! Like this, right, um, but of course it depends. They're li- the right. So, for example, if I'm working with a company, and say they're a warehousing company, they're doing warehouse space, and they're already eighty percent full. Sure, how sure, can sure. You double their business. Right? Sure. You can only double their business if they buy another warehouse, right? And that's, that's or more high value right? target, right? <laughs> that would be the other other. Yeah, sure. raise your prices is sure. the fastest way to increase profits. If you can raise your prices, that's definitely a way to go. Well, th- that's what people don't. Re- this is some of the things that I find interesting in the business world because people don't seem to grasp that the only way to increase in profitability is to increase your margins. So you're either cutting costs or you're increasing price. That's the only way you're, you're doing that. But s- for whatever reason, people are like, like have this weird thing on their back saying they need to sell more and more and more. Mm-hmm. Like, well, if, if, you know, if you're not working with your economics of scale, right, then you're going to get in trouble. It's easy to sell more. That's the thing is, mm. like, every company I work with, is using one or two or three sales channels, right? You should be using five or six, mm. right? So if you're doing cold calling or you know, events like this to get people in, some people, that's all they do. They just do two channels, right? You then start teaching them how to use LinkedIn, um, you know, how to really use webinars effectively, how to do cold email, which is a godlike, right? When you're particularly out here in the Middle East, cold email is just... It's ridiculous, isn't it? Amazing, it works so well. Isn't right? it? Ri- isn't yeah. it ridiculous? <laughs> I totally agree with you. It's ridiculous. So countries that you can't, so you you've got to be careful of laws around the world. Like the UK, well, Europe has GDPR, and then you've got Canada has their own. You've got Australia's quite strict. Germany's quite strict as well. But most countries around the world, you do business to business email. It's perfectly legal and legitimate. Here's my business. I want to promote my service to you. But yeah, it's it's amazing. But if you can get all of these channels, and then what you do is you tie them together. So if you're gathering thousands of emails, use that email database not just for selling your services and products, but for selling your webinars as well, your podcasts, whatever it is like this. Especially and if you do a two-form attack, right? You're exactly. sending an email, you're making that phone exactly call, right? Right. So then you're, and then you can use retargeting. So if you're emailing people and they're clicking on something, ring them up. Why don't people these days? So obvious. If someone's actually clicked on your website, they're interested. They've read a piece of material. They've clicked on your website. Ring them up. This, <laughs> this is one of the things I've learned from, from a lot of people who work in sales. And, and one of the key things I always hear is that majority of customers just want to be closed. Mm. Right? And, and they don't know. And, and your process as, as the agent, as, as the sales person, is to get them through that process. You have, just have to hold that client's hand. To between, you know, they know already they want to close. Otherwise, they wouldn't have enacted with you. It depends. You, you need to qualify them, but you need to qualify them really early on, right? So people sure. often sure. do qualification too late in the sales process. So, you know, here's a proposal, and they don't have money. 
or here's a proposal and oh it's actually my boss that decides this right if you if you don't qualify early on then you're you wasting your time if you qualify early on then 100% you should be closing at least half of the deals you know 50% should go through M most uh, th there's especially for my tech sales because we do mostly b2b there's there have a c we don't we don't accept an order under 75 units full stop it's it's just not worth our time not worth our money we don't we don't do b2c want to do b2c go find someone else it's not our business and and the amount of the, uh, the I would say about seventy percent of our our questions that we get that wheeze all that out. And then the other perspective is that we we get a lot of them from the last fifteen percent or so. We get then asked about uh, um, we get then asked about uh, uh, about price lists and stuff like that. Which also is very confusing because you know the mar your, whoever is your purchaser is, they already know the market price, right? So I don't know why they even need to ask at that point because it's a hu it's her 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 homogeneous the price, right? The entire industry is about the same, one bd more, one bd less, but it's about everything the same. So we normally just send over a price list, and that's the end of that. So for our process is is very easy when it comes to from the textiles business. But I hear from a lot of clients, not clients is not the right word, but I hear a lot of people on the show who come on who are entrepreneurs who own a coffee shop, own a, a, a gym membership, or own a app that is for dog walking, right? They have, they have zero sales experience and neither are they looking to close customers. <laughs> Where are you like, what are you doing? Yeah, why isn't there anyone in Bahrain doing this? It was when I first started mm. a year ago, I was puzzled. I was like, it's almost like historically sales in the Middle East is so much who you know. Yes, no yes, yes. No one's bothered learning sales. And all of a sudden, we're now post-COVID. People are looking around for better prices. There is a lot more, um, you know, Western type. Let's see where we can get the best service from. Let's try different things out. So now you have to learn to sell. You have to, you know, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's bizarre. People don't have the skill, and then they often just, they, you know, they'll employ people from the east. They bring in Filipinos or Indians and say, right, you're now a salesperson. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Just yeah, yeah. It's just the culture clash is so different. It's, uh, you know, it's Indians can sell to Indians. Fantastic, right? It, it works really well um, if that's your space. But yeah, for a lot of companies out here, it's. It's very tricky when they do that. They just they just don't understand why they're not getting results. I, I mean, for the Middle East, I, I mean, I, I can imagine that a lot of people from the West won't be able to understand this. But I mean, I've I've had meetings with with firms here, where um, the purchasing the purchasing manager said to me in an open space, open office, everyone of his everyone in the whole department could hear him say, "If you want this contract, either you're giving me woman, money, or uh, alcohol." <laughs> so I, I've never I, that was the first and only time I think the balls on this man to say it <laughs> just in whole open office just that was amazing to me it was absolutely amazing to me especially it was one of the big five here in Bahrain wow. well, yeah, yeah 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 no I've never had that I don't know whether it's my professional way I approach sales but yeah I've never had people well, I, th I, th I think it's also, I mean, I, I mean, you know what they say, textiles and waste management is the worst of the worst. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you find yourself in Bahrain? 
you mentioned earlier that you spontaneously were in the UK and then you saw an opportunity that arised. I didn't see it, no, I got, I was working for a company called, um, it was actually a, another company, but working with a company called Sum Total Systems, and then that's an e-learning company, and then in order to make that whole system work, we were using content, so it's online training content from a mm. company called Skillsoft, and they had a recenter in Saudi Arabia, um, and I mean, Saudi, this is, this is 11 years ago now, right, so this is... A different Saudi. Yeah, no, it was, I mean, I had no idea, right? This company in the UK, they had this reseller in Saudi who were really underperforming, and they said, can you go out there and just go and sort them out, go and teach them sales, do whatever you have to do to get them to sell more, right? Sorry, sorry, can I ask that? Sorry, so, so they went to you, Miles, and they said, oh, you have brilliant experience in the Middle East. You've, yeah. <laughs> you've been there in and out. There's probably, I mean, there's naivety probably in that, but no, they saw me as an amazing salesperson. They said, okay. I can sell, I can sell anywhere, right? Sure. <laughs> 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 and they, they were like, why isn't Saudi selling? Now, at the time, I had no idea. I thought I was going to meet camels and, you know. Lazy people. Yeah. I had no idea. I, I was even thinking, shall I bring out my own pen? You know, I had no idea what Saudi Arabia was like. So I came out and I said, yeah, sure. I'll go and spend six months in Saudi Arabia. Um, yeah, completely. I mean, it's, you know, modern skyscrapers, <laughs> really loads of business. Aramco, you know, biggest client massive company with all the service companies tons and tons of stuff going on so it absolutely blew me away um so yeah that was back in november of 2011 mm. and i worked with them for six months and i just ramped up their whole sales i trained their salespeople, put a new sales process in um completely redid their pitch how they were attacking the market um and just massively increased their sales right it's just a hugely successful six months for them but i mean i lived in saudi for a month and then I was... At a compound or a hotel or... Just in an apartment block in Cobar. Oh, okay. It was, it was nice because it was right next to the Corniche. Mm. So I'd go out walking along the Corniche. But I in those days, it was different to what it is today, right? I mean, it was, yeah, a bit oppressive, it right? Yeah, you it was a bit... You know the feeling. Draconic. Yeah. So uh, after a few weeks, I thought, I wonder what Bahrain's like. So I jumped in the truck and I drove across to Bahrain and it was just like... This place is brilliant. <laughs> it's much more me. Um, so after a month, I started living in Hamala. Mm. Do you know Hamala Beach Resort? Mm. Fantastic place. Absolutely loved it. It's you know, a little beach, and running and gym and swimming pool. And at the time, they had not a eating carbs. Yeah, they were not <laughs> eating any carbs. So no, I, I mean, I've just fell in love with Hamala and the beach and Jazra and that whole area. Janabia so I just went mountain biking every day. Absolutely loved it around there. Um, so I was there for another five months, and then I was going to go back to the UK. But the problem is, you know this, right? The Middle sure. East is small. It's a village, right? Sure. Everyone knows everyone. So sure. you do a good job like that, and it's like, I want you to double my business. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so I've, basi I've had five jobs here now, right? Mm. Basically, as either head of sales, starting up, branch offices or businesses for UK companies or whatever here in, in the Middle East. Um, at varying sizes, some of them are small uh, consulting gigs I've done. Uh, one of them was uh, director of PetraSkills Middle East, which is a huge, it's the world's biggest oil and gas, upstream oil and gas training company. Mm. And I was the regional director of that. Um, then I went on to set up uh, the Wally Academy. So Wally's a massive engineering company. Um, 
I mean, their typical project size is, is you know, one, two billion dollars. So, you know, the, the BMP projects, the Backcomb Modernization Project, they're uh, partners with Technique on, on doing that project. So, huge, huge company, 60,000 people around the world, Australian headquarters. Um, and the, the regional director of that brought me on to start up the Wally Academy is you know a commercial training and consulting arm of all of the organizations and so most of your jobs were then i imagine word of mouth yeah, from either no past I clients or I haven't meetings since or i've so. been in Bahrain, i haven't applied for a job <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as soon as you finish one people then want another now i mean the interesting thing is when i finished Wally, um i then i went on to just help a local company i think i worked for them two days a week but basically i was thinking I just want some time off. You know, it's the middle of COVID. I've earned this money. I just want to relax for a bit. So a year ago, um, I said, right, I'm stopping that contract. I'm just going to relax. I might go and visit Thailand or sit on a beach for something for a while. And um, yeah, it took me about a week. And then I thought, I'm bored now. <laughs> that soon? So, yeah, literally a, a week. You know, I was just bored because I love working. I, I know that feeling, but so, uh, so I set up Hypergrowth, and uh, you know that's so this the last year of my life has been setting that up and running that. I find it super, 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 super interesting, and because you use this as a funnel, right, for potential clients to conversion. Well, so I do four things. Sure. Hypergrowth, sure. We do four things, right? So, so this is the typical consultancy business is the hypergrowth. Yeah, it's, it's a management consulting firm essentially, because sure. what it's doing is a lot of re-engineering of sales processes and, and pitch and stuff like that right so i do four things the first is the hyper growth program mm -hmm. that's what i explained to you so that's a series of workshops mm -hmm. completely redesign your sales process your sales pitch your lead generation and your sales strategy and that's part of the academy or is that the that, separate no, unit this is hyper growth this is my okay. premium so this is a charged okay. for service this is my premium service right mm -hmm. So then I work with you for six months, and at the end of six months, we would have doubled your business. Yes. Right, so any small company, we run through the hypergrowth program, and that's that's the, my main thing that I offer out into the market. The second thing I offer is, and this is a bit of, I don't know whether Rasta's the right word, but people that know me, right, they've seen me perform in sales, mm -hmm. and they go, actually, I'd like a bit of miles, right? So this is, often people offer me jobs, and I go, I don't want a job but I'll come in once a week or maybe twice a month and just offer some services, whether that's um, you know, redesigning your sales process, hiring salespeople for you, um, you know, trying to analyze the market a bit for you, where you should move your company and whether you should be looking at different markets and sales. It's a bit, you know, bit of strategy and or, or even you know, a bit of help on lead generation. So that's just as a retainer, right? So mm -hmm. I have, four or five companies now who just pay me every month and I do stuff, sales stuff. I'm, I'm basically a fractional CRO. Mm. Right? So if you want to generate a bit more revenue, you don't quite know what to do, you're a bit stuck, you want an extra pair of eyes, I'll come in and help you do that. So that's the second service. Third service, which is actually my biggest now, it's taken off like the hotcakes, is my sales meeting service. Okay. Right? So this is his lead generation across three channels, right? Because so, there's, there's about 20 different B2B channels you can use, right? There, there's, there's three that consistently people don't use that everything's easy because I've, I've automated it all, right? So it's outbound email, mm -hmm. right? So I send about 7,500 emails per week to my clients each. Outbound LinkedIn, 
So we do a whole load of connection and email and outbound, really get a buzz on outbound. So not posting on LinkedIn, not social media. This is outbound, hi, you know, Hamid here. You Contacting, know, making sure exactly people right. are great. And then the third is I get all of my clients to run a monthly webinar. Okay. So that you then you use the LinkedIn and the email to heavily push the webinars. One client in Australia, they're now running webinars every two weeks and they're getting 300 people come to each webinar. Oh, <laughs> fantastic. So th th and these webinars, you just do a, you know, this is me, you just talk about any topic that your, you know, your decision makers would want to come to. Uh, and these people, when they, when they finally click these three things, they're getting that many people coming to their webinars, that becomes their sole channel, right? So I run this service and I charge my clients $495 a month. So before before you, it, go, right? before you go before go even further into this, I was just going to first ask you what are three channels or, or one or two channels which you think are the most underused sales channels? What do you think are two one or two that are most overused? Because I would think cold emailing is probably a little overused. Maybe yeah, not here, not in the Middle East. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, if you, it's because it's, it's different. Different ones work. It's it's interesting because different channels work for different. Industries, industries, different sectors, different locations. Geographies, right? yeah. But typically the three most underused are outbound email, outbound LinkedIn, and running a monthly webinar. webinar right? Which is also the three things that you're targeting. Makes sense, so right? So I've wrapped them up as a service, $495 a month, off we go. Now they, I've got 16, 17 clients running this that are absolutely buzzing, absolutely, you know, rocket. I mean, Fantastic. They they, now they, one of them in Saudi last week rang me up and said, stop giving me so many leads, right? There's too many. Um, the conversion so then becomes know. an issue, right? <laughs> absolutely right. So this is my fourth service. This is because once you generate a lot of leads, what do you do with them, right? So what, what I then find is most companies, if, you, if you're doing B2B sales, most companies close about one in 10. Yeah, 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 ten yeah. 10 leads yeah, yeah. come in, they'll end up with one client. It's yeah. very typical. It should be 50%, it should be one in two, right? So what I've done is you can either go on my hypergrowth program, so I can upsell into the hypergrowth program, or a lot of people, they, they haven't got the money for that. It's a big, it's a big investment and everything. So what I did is I set up the academy. So that's my fourth service, well, the hypergrowth academy, right? That's completely free. I run, well, I do it, and because I've got about 14 partners around the world, they all come in and help do training for free as well. Um, basically teach the whole sales system for free. <coughs> right, so it's 100% free, go in there, sign up, and just learn sales. Right, you can go through all of this. Then you build that relationship, and that <coughs> then in turn turns it into a... Exactly, so okay. then it becomes another sales channel for people who want to do the sales meeting service or, or something else. Because I, I love that as a funnel, by the way. Yeah, it's it's so well, just give free training. I, I love that, uh, absolutely. I love that as a funnel, you create the content, you have the academy, you're giving some free training, free resources, right? You got the client interested, and then you can you sell them the service. I think that's that's a fantastic funnel, fantastic. And what do you see the f the the future of of the academy? Do you see yourself expanding more into it? Maybe building like a community <laughs> with the guests or, or with no, it is. I do have guests coming in. Like you could come on. You're more than welcome to come on. That's very sweet of you. Quick. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, guests are coming in. I do expert talks, sort of podcasts like this. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I mean, it, it's 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 tempting to monetize it. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not saying for monetizing. I'm saying <coughs> from expansion perspective. Oh, well, 
Just small cost, mm -hmm. you know. M maybe some uh, more communal work. No. No, I like <laughs> no. I mean, the academy. I'm investing about four to six hours a week on it. Mm. Right. It's my CSR putting back into the world. The next series of sessions are not even being run by me. They're being run by one of my colleagues from the UK. Um, so, you know, the business, because whoever runs these sessions is going to pick up the business, right? So they'll pick up some business from it. And do you, oh, okay. Do, do you then get a little little handback no, from that? No, because we pass work each other. We okay. Can, you know, our network passes work. Okay. Anyway. No, I mean, the reason I'm not going to do the next four is because I've got a, a short contract out in Saudi with, with one company just doing some hands-on work with them for a couple of days. That's brilliant. Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah. So, so from all the people who, who are working sales jobs or more traditional sales jobs, you know, the common thing that I always think about is, you know, the typical car salesman, you know, that's, that's the always the, yeah, very it's, it's an amazing profession, right? door to door salesman, car salesman, these types of people really do the cold calling and call centers. These, if you can learn sales at that level, you can then do consultative sales and PK. Everything becomes easier later on. It's, it's good to cut your teeth on that. Absolutely, yeah. uh, absolutely. I always think of that famous movie script, ABC, <coughs> always be closing. <laughs> it's completely stuck in my head. I, I mean, I, I love the, the, the academy part. And are you... You're you're centered yourself around Bahrain. Have you never thought about doing maybe something more in the in Dubai or anything like that? I do. I mean, I've got a couple of clients in Dubai. Okay. But, but Dubai is a different market. You see, if clearly every every country in the GCC is very different, right? So if you look at Dubai, who's who's running small businesses and who's doing the sales is typically Westerners, right? Absolutely. Whereas here in Bahrain, it's Bahrainis, right? So is it, it though? Yeah, most of them, of course. It's most a lot of, of Indians. Most, yeah, yeah, but most. I mean, I've, I mean, I've never, I've never met a purchasing, uh, um, I never met a purchasing manager who wasn't Indian. <laughs> <laughs> not, not yet. In, in the bigger companies, yeah. So yeah. When, when you're employed, but I'm talking small to medium-sized companies in Bahrain. There's fifty thousand of them, right? Mm. The majority are Bahraini-owned, as far as I know. They, you know, they. Sure. Yeah, I'm not talking corner shops and, you know, cold stores and things like this, but service businesses running e-commerce sites and stuff like that are typically Bahraini-owned and run. And it's these companies that I'm targeting to help sell, right? So it's if it's in Saudi, it's Saudis. If it's Bahrain, it's Bahrainis. If it's Oman, it's Omanis. So my, my system and approach works really well. Whereas Dubai, typically those are foreigners. They, they've learned sales. They're already coming in. So the whole... You know, the market in Dubai for helping people with sales just isn't as much because they've already gone through the Western courses and the, and the stuff like that. So it's There's yeah, less it's opportunity. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, I, I, kind of, I try and avoid it, Dubai, really. It's really? Too, yeah. I mean, I like it somewhere to visit, but in terms of business, it's too... Really? I'm surprised by that because considering, you know, Bahrain, the thing I think that ma lacks Bahrain the most is the lack of activities. There's things to do, but not like the same scale or volume. To live. Well, to be quite honest, I prefer Bahrain to Dubai anyway. There's much more to do here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> you, have, you have to look for it a bit harder. Yeah. But what is there to do in Dubai, really? Oh, tons of stuff. Well, you name a list? Yeah. Uh, 
sand uh, surfing, water oh, surfing, uh, jet skiing. Jet skiing, to be fair, exists here as well, but not on the same scale or niceties, right? The beaches are way, way nicer. They have a whole like beach community as well with all those restaurants and stuff. The beaches are nice here. Yeah, yeah but they don't have like... They have improved. But here we've got forts, castles. There, there's a lot more... Um, Local stuff, local art. Largest building in the world. Uh, uh, the newest wonder with a frame of Dubai. You know what? When I I'm Dubai, selling Dubai hard at this right. moment. I'm selling Bahrain, right? <laughs> <laughs> if I go to Dubai after two days, I feel I've done it. Because I've, I've been here 11 years and I'm still finding new things in Bahrain. I, I feel like if you stay in Bahrain for two weeks, you've, you've seen every mall that has to offer. <laughs> Take a look at the mall and the coffee shops. What are you left with? Uh, what do I love here? Um, Purling Trail in Mahak. Mm -hmm. uh, Sakia Mountains. Have you climbed up to the top of those? No. Stunning view from up there. Can you even access those things? Of course you can. You can see that you can see both the east and west coast at the same time from the top of that mountain. I call it. I wouldn't say hill, but it's. <coughs> That's beautiful up there. Is that near where the, the, the Tree of Life is? Yeah, yeah. So it's, we, we okay. come down to the Tree of Life and inland. Yeah, it's, it's about level with the Tree of Life. What, what do you think about that whole area? Dora, I think it's called, or Doha. Yeah, that th there's some amazing... Have you seen the prison cells that are, were built in the cliff down there? Oh, no, I didn't like. There's I didn't explore those things. Well, is it like 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 in my head? It's I think of like a Texan, you know, 1980s West cowboy prison. Is it like with metal bars and yeah. stuff like that? Really? Kind of, yeah. I mean, the, the doors are not there anymore, but yeah, oh, that's good. Actually built into the cliff. They, I think historically they put the mad people there. Do you know the insane people? Okay. They took them down there and locked them away down there. But yeah, it's a spooky place. Uh, I can imagine so. But there is a lot of you know the drilling rigs and oil and gas and modern donkeys and stuff like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Planes coming out. There's also a secret military base around there as well. Yeah, where they that's a bit further south. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They covered it with like trees and stuff like that. We're like, that's not very <laughs> secretive. <laughs> and you have like a really weird Indian community somewhere around there as well. They have like they have like 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 it's like a farm they have down there somewhere. Dan, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, right? And they have, like, dogs and stuff like that, and it's this whole weird thing. Uh, see, there's tons of... They've still got more things to explore. Yeah, absolutely. It's something that you don't need to go and see <laughs> or witness <laughs> or experience. <laughs> Stick with touristy stuff. Go look at the largest <laughs> building in the world. Uh, I prefer Bahrain to Dubai. It's much more, much more for me here. I, I couldn't, I couldn't <laughs> disagree with you more. Um, yeah, and have you, you've you've only lived what six months, I think, at the most in Saudi at one period, or have you lived a little longer? No, less. I mean, it was really a month because then I started living in in Bahrain as I finished my contract. As I so for for that six months contract, one month I lived in Saudi, five mm. months I lived in Bahrain. And how how was that for your wallet? Because I imagine living in Saudi was probably the m the smarter financial move to make. But I lived in Hamala Beach, right? So, I mean, it was what did you spend money on? And I remember um, you're doing like 12-hour days, right? So you're getting up at 4 or 5 in the morning. Mm. The causeway was busy then, right? It was a very – the causeway now is like busy, right? Then you had to hit it before 6 a.m. Otherwise, you'd never get across, right? So 
six a.m. on the causeway. You're in work at seven, seven thirty. You've got a full-on day, you know, client meetings, teaching the team, all the rest of it. So by the time you get back home, easily six, seven o'clock at night, Christ right? So almighty. you're doing that, you know, long, long days. How long was your travel? Two hours there and back every day. And I mean, sometimes it was four hours to get back on a Thursday. Jesus yeah. Christ. Well, it was it was different then, of course. When I first came, it was uh, the weekend was Thursday, Friday, and in Saturday, <laughs> it was all different. Yeah, yeah, that's all changed now. <laughs> it's all changed now. So it, it's, it was originally done in order to, to match more Western business, mm. you know. Um, Do you think it's going to change again? Do you think we'll go like Dubai's done? agree on a single calendar maybe i think you know what i think i think i think screw it have everything open 24 7. what does it matter then forget weekends get rid of it no one needs it i'm the opposite you see i'm a big advocate of a four-day working week okay because if you have everything open all the time you get burnout right if people are working seven days a week that's you can only do that for so long right and a lot of a lot of people do um it historically there was no, you know, if you go back far enough, everyone worked seven days a week. That was normal. Then we have the holy day. So people work for six days a week. Then, and it wasn't that long ago, some bright spark said, actually, let's have a two-day weekend. But it was made up. It's a human thing to have a two-day weekend. Henry Ford was right? the first person to introduce the two-day two, uh, the two day we, uh, the two two day day weekend. weekend. Fantastic, right? Five-day work week. I didn't week. know that. That's phenomenal. Right, well, Miles O'Connor is going to introduce the three-day weekend, right? Yeah. <laughs> because, look, you have a weekend, right? You're working really, really hard. Most of us have got really stressful jobs, right? The first day of your weekend, your brain is still thinking of work. Mm. It takes you a day to stop thinking. So then you get to the second day of the weekend, you relax for a bit, and then your brain is thinking, oh, I've got to work again tomorrow. So a two-day weekend, you get very little time to, to really rest, right? You have a three-day weekend. It's actually, it feels like three times longer than a two-day weekend. And where would you it's put the, 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 fir the first day? What has Dubai done? Dubai's done... What, what have they done? They've got Friday... Done it? I mean, I'm I'm not an expert of Dubai <laughs> to be honest. Um, uh, I can tell you, I would manage it. I don't know how Dubai's done it. I mean, you mean they they maybe gave Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I think no, they because they, they wanted to do an alignment with the West, so they've done, I think, half day Friday. The government, right? So mm -hmm. it's half day Friday, and then Saturday, Sunday off. Right, so it's basically two and a half day weekend. I think they're doing now. Because my counter-argument to yours would probably be Monday, Tuesday, work. Wednesday, off. Thursday, Friday, work. <laughs> but and then Friday, Saturday, off. You have to reset your mind into a different different thing. So one day, it just isn't enough. If you have one day off, it's... Do you, do you not? still look at email. You'll still be thinking of work. And yeah, but if you have three days off, you're still looking at your emails and you're still doing work. No, I think people will become... Because you, you'd put in very strict rules with it. So the four days... <laughs> really strict rules? Who's going to supervise this? <laughs> employees, right? Companies, yeah. right? Because most people, when they have a, a job that's like an eight or nine hour day, they're really only working four or five hours. Full, really full on. The rest of it... Maybe two. Yeah. friends, looking at Facebook, whatever, right? So maybe 
Let's not go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I so it makes sense you, they would need a lot of time off. If you have a four-day week, you need extra rules. You need to really focus people. You need, really need to get a full day's work, right? There's no messing around, no bullshit. But in return for working really, really hard, really productively for four days, you then can have three days off. So I think it, it shifts your whole mind into this is work. Let's get work done. Let's really go for it. And then three days off each week. It'd be I think right. people people would just get lazy, <laughs> and after after the, after maybe let's say ten years of having the four day week, like, oh, God, I can't wait till it's Thursday. <laughs> that's how that will. That's how that's gonna happen. I think. Uh, I, th- I think it's natural progression. You'll go that way. Opposite. I'm totally opposite of you. I think seven days a week, uh, twenty four <laughs> hours, live, breathe your work, and if you don't like it, find something you like. <laughs> yeah, that's most startup people, isn't it? I, I don't know if it's most startup people. I think if you love what you do, you don't feel like you're working, right? Your body knows you're working. <laughs> but I, I think you still enjoy it, you know? It's, a, it's like Japan has this really weird concept of, of work. Not just the, the crazy hours, but anything that you become a master at, and it doesn't matter whatever the craft is, they deem that as meaningful work, which is a fascinating concept. You know, if you if you're just a woodcutter, if you do it very masterfully, then they deem that as as a serious enterprise. Yeah, well, well, you wouldn't find the UK. You wouldn't you wouldn't look at a farmer and be like, oh yeah, that's a serious enterprise. You'd lo- you'd look at him and be like, oh fucking hell, was he still being a farmer for? People do underestimate most professions, don't they? Whenever you look at a profession, I mean, farming is a great example. There's so much science. There's so much business. There's so much competition. There's so much technology that you need to know. But they're all dead, mate. They're all dead. <laughs> they're all dead. If you, you have to, you know how expensive those seeds are that you have to buy them because they're genetically altered and stuff like that. By the way, the laws that surround those seeds are mental. Like, if you don't use the, the seed at a specific date of crop, as when you have to p- put them in the s- in the soil, or planting plantation them, uh, you're you're not you're not allowed to use that seed. So if you pass that due date, you're breaking the contract. And they actually have like people who come and inspect. Each seed change, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. It's 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 really really mental. Like a lot of farmers will tell you, and they're crying because they can hardly make ends meet. Well, but then again, I've never heard of a poor farmer either. But you know. So I, th- I think I think that all that whole profession is kind of disappearing, and that's all going to be taken over by big businesses. Famously, back uh, BlackRock right now is buying up a lot of properties in order to do exactly that, uh, since rent is usually the main contributing factor for increase of salary. So what BlackRock has done for their client list, is saying, "Hey, look, we're going to buy up large areas of apartments where your employees are at." And we'll make sure to cap the rent. So therefore, you don't have to pay them a larger salary. Genius, right? Genius. <laughs> <laughs> I just deal with the things I can do. No, 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 no. Sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess you see why, the co- why it's called Unsolved Truths, right? <laughs> no, no. But yeah, Miles. So what's any plans otherwise in the future? you know focused on getting the company a bit better um getting improving that and just enjoying Bahrain that's uh do you have any staff no 
No staff either. So how many hours are you working these days? A lot, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. No, it's not too bad. I mean, it's, it's a typical day for me. I'd be up at, you know, four or five in the morning, um, do some of my work, then relax, read a paper, have a break. Um, and then during the week, different days are different. So Sundays are pretty easy. Mondays is a client day. I try and book all my client meetings on a Monday. So Monday's full on. Um, but yeah, and no, I'll do a whole load of work during the day and then take some time out, do something else, you know. That's nice. Go shopping during the day. Um, and then normally back in the evening, do a few hours back in the evening. So it's, uh, yeah. No, I mean, I've set this up to enjoy myself a bit as well, you know. It's okay, like there, we go. That's there, there we go. There we go. I'm not a, yeah, I certainly don't aspire to be a Richard Branson or Elon Musk. That's not what I want to do with this business. This is much more around, let's see how many small companies I can help sell more. So why was your target a thousand people then? I just made it up. Then. Okay. Just if you don't have a target, you don't know what you're going for, do you? And so yeah. what happens when you hit a thousand? You're gonna increase it to ten thousand. <laughs> are you just gonna walk away and be like, you know what, I've done it now? <laughs> I don't know. You, do you know what? Probably I need. I'm really, really good at sales. If you want to double your sales, give me a call, right? Sure. I probably need a business coach. Right? Okay. Because. You know, I can see the business is, you know, going to be successful, going to earn some money. But, yeah, where I take it in the next five, ten years, these are the questions you're asking. I've got no idea. You no, know, I, I, I mean, I, th I think it's a brilliant concept. I think you offer a great service, and I think I think more people could benefit from it. I just think that, you know. I mean, one option I have been considering is franchising it. Mm. So find some young bonds like Dan over there who want to get into marketing and sales. He's Indian, but sure. Uh, <laughs> true, true. <laughs> Wait, are I'm you Indian Dan or, any or Bangladeshi? Bangladeshi, right? Are you Indian or Bangladeshi? Sri Lankan. <laughs> so we're all wrong. Sorry. <laughs> Look, any nationality. His father's a priester, though. Am I right with that? <laughs> Fuck, I'm wrong at two for two. <laughs> Sorry, Dan. <laughs> I feel embarrassed now. <laughs> Yeah, no, I help, you know, I really don't care where people come from. If you want to start a franchise and a business, right, that could be a really good uh, approach to do it from here. Because now I've set it all up to bring in people and say, look, copy paste, here's your version of hyper growth. Why not? You get all the young people. I think, I think there's, I think, I think you're missing opportunities by just franchising it out. Um, what would you do? Give me some business advice there, Hannah. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to give you unsolicited <laughs> okay. advice. I no, feel bad now. No, sorry. I mean, you're look. Put it this way: I've had jobs my whole life, right? Mm -hmm. I've been working for other people. Mm -hmm. um, running my own company is literally one-year experience, right? This is so. This is new for me, right? And yeah, maybe it's success, but I'm sure I could do a lot more. You've run companies for a long time, haven't you? Yes. Right. So, no, your advice is welcome. No, I, I appreciate it, but. Uh, I mean, it all depends where you want to go. A company is only as good as its people. And right now, the company is only you. And potentially a few of your mates who are, you know, pitching in and wanting to get their own clients moving. So I, I think if, if, if you're genuinely about, you know, building a community or building help or helping people, and it's just not just a profit center, then looking at it from a perspective of, hey, you know what, maybe I'll, I'll set this up like a course so I bring up Scott Galloway because he, he does something similar. He teaches brand strategy. And I think something like this could but potentially work. Exist, why, you know, I don't know. 
but this is brand strategy though. This is nothing to do with with uh, with uh, Cardone University. Like that's that's kind of what we'd be competing with. It, it, it already exists. It's just type in Cardone University. C A R D O N E. He's charging a hundred dollars a month. Oh, these things make a fortune. They do, don't they? How much are you charging again a month? <laughs> you don't want to say? Well, no, I mean, it's all, all, the, all the services are different, right? So sure. lead generation is the cheapest. It's $485 a month. Okay. Um, How did he come up with that number? It's a combination of what the market will bear as a very easy sale. I mean, w when I speak to small businesses about it... I mean, he's a snake oil salesman. Okay, we can agree to that. All right, okay. I mean, but the thing is, what I'm doing is really practical. It's not, this is, the problem with sales training is everyone who I've just done sales training for and then walk away, do you know what their improvement is in sales? Zero, right? Because if you, it's a bit like giving you a bicycle and I'll stand there for an hour telling you everything about that bicycle. These are the brakes, these are the pedals, this is how the gears work. Off you go. You'll fall off, right? Yeah. It's the only way to learn to ride a bike is to ride a bike. The only way to learn sales is you've got to actually do it. Action right? over so emotion. That's why my program's six months. Because it doesn't matter how good you are at teaching sales. It, to be quite honest, all of the stuff at the beginning, you could probably just say, go and have a look at some videos, look at YouTube, go and learn the theory, and then boom, let's start doing the implementation. Okay. Because that's when you're gonna learn sales, when you're actually doing it, and then week in, week out, you analyze what you did, what worked, what didn't work, then next week you improve everything, and, and, and you know, just keep on improving week after week. Uh, it's uh, the only way to do it. Do you find a lot of people, when you're going through the sales course, have almost like either a fear of success or they're scared of rejection you're actually going through a sales course yeah what do you mean who are who are going through the through your your training per se the one-on-one -on -one. Okay. you feel like a lot of these people because they've never as you mentioned 99 percent of the companies you work with have never gone through a proper sales training course do you feel like the participants of it are just no exactly the opposite really so at the end of it um, Not the end of it. I mean, in the beginning, as you meet them. No, I think the, the the journey is right. You you spoke about sales as um a type of journey. I I feel like I'm the tour guide, right, mm. taking people through through this whole sales journey. So for you, know, I mean, when you're doing sales, it's you are signposting each person to the next step and taking, as long as you say, look, after this meeting, we're gonna have another meeting on Tuesday and we're gonna make a decision. Is that okay with you? They go, yeah, sure, right? So if you signpost the next step and take people along that journey, they'll follow you. Now, when I, when I onboard a client into, into the hypergrowth program, it's very much the same thing. I'm taking them on a journey. So people only respond to my um, outbound messages or workshops or whatever I'm doing to generate leads if they know they've got a sales problem, hmm. right? So if, if you're running a company and you think your sales are perfect, you wouldn't get in touch with me, right? Because there's no need to improve. Sure. If you're a small business owner and you actually go, you know, the one thing 
that we really need to fix is sales. And to be quite honest, it is the most important thing. What, what's the most important thing for any small business? You need revenue, you need money, right? Sales is the most important thing you need to fix, right? So if, if a business owner recognizes that and then they come to me, yeah, no, I very quickly take them through that journey to, <coughs> you know, they're seeing the value, they're seeing what I can deliver and then yeah, as soon as they start, as soon as they start with me, they get really, really excited. Well, well because so it's a total eye opener for people. The reason I brought up the subject, and the reason I phrased the question, I think this way, is because I've also worked with, 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 you know, both when I used to work for people and now as a business owner, with staff who are just so afraid of rejection, especially in cold calling, they almost oh I see you right. know so actually doing sales and yeah because they, they I mean you know you tell them you know every no leads to a yes you know don't be discouraged you're gonna call people people are gonna reject it some people may even yell and say you know why are you bothering me and stuff like that right and he said as long as you practice you know you go through your script you make sure you're you're you've got your your key information we normally try or this is the how I normally do it we normally try to only choose clients that we have either some past experience with a one or two person connection, right? So if I know like person A, and then I try to get business with person B or potentially person C, but I need some sort of connection. So if I'm like, oh, hi, is this Dave? You know, I, I work with blah, blah, blah. You know, and he passed me over your information and I think we could maybe do something good for you and we could do like a good fit. And then usually that's how that expands. Yeah, so I, I think what you're describing there is the difference between cold calling mm -hmm. and gold calling, right? Okay. So if, if you, a, a, a cold calling is literally, they've never heard of you, new company, you're just calling off out of the blue, and that's a horrible way. Most people don't like that, right? And my clients, if they don't like it, I just say don't do it. Most staff don't right? like doing it either. Then just don't do it because there are so many sales channels you can use, right? So... Um, I mean, some people who don't like cold calling actually are really good at knocking on doors. So I'll, I'll give you an example here in Bahrain, right? I was here working for a health and safety training company. What did I do? I got in the car. I drove to Citra Industrial Estate, right? Go up to the first company, knock on the door, go in the company, start my pitch, going on, boom. And then, of course... Wait, 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 wait. Sorry, 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 sorry. I won't believe that for a second. I ain't, having, I ain't I, having none of it. I, what you do then, right, it's very simple, right? You try and close a deal selling safety training, right? And it's, I mean, it's cold. It's off the street. The conversion's not that high. But I did sell quite a lot in Citra Industrial Estate. But what the trick is, right, what you do at the end of that meeting is you say, well, is there anyone else here? Have you got any friends? And, of course, everyone there knows everyone else, right? Why don't you try this company? Why don't you pop into Garmco? Why don't you go down there, boom, 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 into all these different companies? So you walk so in without a meeting and you... you yeah, no, Aramco, I okay. used to get one meeting in Aramco. I always used to set it at 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't leave Aramco until, <laughs> until the evening, right? Because as soon as you're getting near the end of a meeting, you think, well, who else? Aramco is, is in this line of work. Who else do you work with, right? Could I see them? And they'd actually ring them up. They'd say, oh, I've got this great guy here. Oh, could he pop along and see you? Uh, is there anyone else? Right? So from each meeting, two departments, two or three other meetings, right? So in Aramco, I'd be there for the whole day. Easily, right? So I, I ain't having none of it. I ain't having none of it. I, I believe the second part. I don't believe the first Riyadh, part. Uh, when I was working for another training company, I did three days in Riyadh. 
bloody 21 salesmen. You're pulling my leg. <laughs> so you can do this if you're just, if you're a bit of energy and you're a bit sparky and you actually, now to me that's not cold calling because if someone's recommended, oh, you should go and see this person, Almorai, sure. right? You go across to see them, that's now a warm meeting because you've been referred, right? So it's a referral. So it's a very different meeting. Oh, so Ahmed sent you over saying you can do this. Tell me about it, right? So it's a, yeah, that's gold calling, right? If you're retargeting referrals or something like that where you're ringing someone up or getting connected. And gold calling is, is yeah, it's a really, really good. We d- yeah, we, we try to do as much system. research on a potential, you know, victim, client. <laughs> <laughs> Pray, <laughs> whichever adjectives you like using. Uh, so yeah, and then we, we usually just put our fangs at them. So yeah, I mean, uh, what, what fascinates me though, and I won't have any of it, you cannot, I, I will not believe you went into a firm or business without prior having setting a meeting. You're just showing up and be like, hey, uh, you know, who's in charge here? So How did that Citra, work? In Citra Industrial Estate, what I used to always ask, I'd say, how many salespeople have come into your department in, in the last year? And they'd look at me and they'd be like, I don't know. I'd say, when did the last time a salesperson just turn up selling this type of service? Two years ago? No, people, people did that? People don't do it. People don't just get off their butt, go in, damn industrial estate. M- my my, my granddad went... Like, why aren't people doing this now? I don't know. It's... The fastest way to generate sales is to just go and knock on doors, right? It's just brilliant. My granddad used to just <laughs> knock on doors and sell vacuum from door to door. Why not? I, I, I mean, this was, you know, the 1940s, 1950s, right? <laughs> I, I can't imagine it working now. I can't work, imagine walking around London with a bag of knives, <laughs> knocking on doors and saying, Miss, have you seen these knives? Look, I'll give you an example of how it works today with modern technology, okay? Go to Abu Dhabi, right? Yeah. You know the energy center, the oil center, where all of the uh, opcos are on, on the corners, right? Have one meeting with someone, finish the meeting, come down into reception, right, in any one of the buildings along the front there. Go to LinkedIn, look at, uh, I've just been with ADCO, this is now ADMA, right? So who's head of HR of ADMA? Go back to the reception desk. Hi, can I speak to Ahmed Al Ghasibi from uh, Adman? Have you got an appointment? No, no, I'm just passing through. Uh, I've got a really important brochure I want to drop off with him. Okay, okay, well, ring him up. Here's the phone. So you ring him up. <laughs> I've just been to see, you know, Ali from from you know your, your accounting or whatever. Who's, yeah. Sure. So now, uh, you know, I'm just here. I just thought I'd quickly pop up with a brochure and just explain what I'm doing here with Ali. Okay, yeah, pop up, just five minutes. Okay, no problem, just five minutes. Boom, you're in another sales meeting. So, and, and Abu Dhabi's brilliant because all of the oil and gas companies, they're all... You, you know what? We, uh, okay. Just, see, again, you spend the whole day there. No, 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 no listen, this is what, this is what we're going to do. Why don't people do that? This is what we're, this is what we're going to do. We've got cameras, we've got gear. We're going to follow this process because I ain't having none of it. And we'll do, we, you, know those, you know those like spy cameras, those ones with the pens on, you know, and stuff like that? We'll, we'll set this whole thing up <laughs> because people will pay gold to see this. And I think that's entertaining as, as hell. And I, I can't believe you, 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 you were able to, to hustle your way in. <laughs> it's easy, easy. And I mean, the thing is, because I've been here 11 years in the Middle East, I've got 30,000 connections on LinkedIn. So if someone says, here's a company, who do I speak to? It's like, I can find them. They're normally first or second connection, you know, that level. 
Brilliant. Uh, you just yeah, in a modern day, you use a bit of technology help and stuff. It's not a wheelbarrow and some sharp knife. But and you ever worked? No. And you, you never worked at the. At the uh, I mean, stories like this makes me think of this MI6 and all that kind of nonsense. <laughs> the sheer. Uh, uh, I don't know what the right word is. <laughs> no, but that, that cold calling, knocking on doors, is the fastest way to get business. But people don't like doing it. Like I said, the type of sales that I've done, a lot of people don't like. If you said get in a car and go to Damam Industrial Estate for the day, they'd be like. They don't like it, right? So that's why you look at all of the other channels. Because I've I, when I when I when 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 the uniform business is the first few years, that's exactly what I did, by the way. Brilliant. And I and I went to these. Uh, I went to potential clients. I went to look, check out their facilities. I went to look, you know. I went to look at their st staff, what uniforms they're wearing. I went inside, you know. You know. By the way, um, is the manager Ahmed still here? And they would be like, Ahmed who? It's like, oh, I have a terrible memory. I don't remember his last name. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and they'd be like, no, uh, Ahmed isn't in, 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 in whatever position. I was like, who's the position now then? They'd be like this, blah, blah, blah. And then I'd be like, oh, okay. Do you have any chance he's free? And they'd be like, free? Why? Why? And I'd be like, oh, like, you know, I do a uniform business and blah, blah, blah. And um, I just want to see if I can just drop by and just, you know, talk to two words with him. And so that that existed, but it never was like very successful from from my end. It was always like, yeah, you know, wasta, this kind of stuff, right? But uh, I, I've I've never experienced anyone else who has been successful at <laughs> doing the craft. <laughs> the black magic, I love it. I love it. <laughs> no, I used to, I used to love that. I must admit, I don't do that anymore. That's not the way I do business now. But yeah, <sighs> back then was yeah, that's fastest way to start things up and and how, how what kind of contracts were you procuring at that kind of it varied i mean some of them were fifty thousand dollars some of them were half a million from from just walking in yeah 100 I, I cannot believe that no because you're speaking to you know head of hr sure head of training they're you know abu dhabi or, or you know you look at of big companies in Saudi, they're responsible for tens of millions of dollars of training. So for you, just slot a few extra training courses in, yeah, simple. And and how would how would that process go from meeting them into closing that deal? How long would that reference be? You're closing at the moment you're walking in? I won't believe that. So, some of them you do. Some of them really? Is, yeah, they've got this need and you come in with a, a product and they've just gone, yeah, we'll just take that. But no, the, the majority would be a couple of months. Yeah. Um, that sort of solution sale. Um, one of them was Kiwi and the Euro. So some of them are... How did you uh, put up with that? Right. You kind of... Right. There are four things in sales that are fundamental to, to, to really understand. Right? When you're doing sales pitch and when you're, when you're going forward, right? So this is particularly just in sales pitch and, and when you're speaking and your mindset. The first is fear, right? So really create a fear of loss. So if they don't do business with you, they're going to lose out big time, okay? So then the next one's urgency. So you really try and push hard for urgency, okay? Then the next one's greed. So by doing this, this is what they're gonna, typically in the Middle East, it's if you do this, you're probably gonna get a promotion. It's gonna make you look so good. I promise to double your business, yeah. exactly. Oh, you got it, right? Yeah. Love it. So work with me, I'll double your business. That's the greed, right? Absolutely fantastic one. But the fourth one, which is just game-changing, which people don't use, is indifference. Okay. So if I'm selling you look, I'm going to come in and work with you and, and I'm going to, in six months, I'm going to double your business. 
But do you know what, Hamid? It's entirely up to you whether you decide. It's your decision. Right? So I'll tell you what, have the weekend to think about it, right? And then we'll meet again on, on Monday next week. Um, you can let me know whether you want to go ahead or not. But you know, it'd be exciting if we did work together, but it's entirely up to you. Do you put the urgency with it? Do you go, you know what? Yeah, but I that's why I'm saying. So, you know, just let few, let's meet in a few days' time. How, how long do you need to think about this? Oh, just the weekend? Okay, well, you know, so you're, you're, you know. You're, yeah, yeah, you hit the urgency and you hit the indifference, both yeah. two for one. But the indifference is just so powerful because it really it spurs people into action. It's, it changes selling things into people want to buy from you. And that's, at any sales trick in the book, that's the fundamental one you've got to get right in 2022 and going forward. If you try and sell something, if you try and say, oh, this is the best cigar in the world, it's got all these great things in it, it's brilliant flavor, you're just like, so what if I say, yeah, this is, this is the most exclusive cigar, you know, probably can't afford it, but. That's exactly know, what I'm, Chanel uses. That's know, ingenious, yeah. Yeah, do, do you know what, I mean, I'm going to keep it, I think, you know. Mm. There you go. Now you actually want it more, don't you? You're like... It's yours. <laughs> no, it's well, your gift I, to you. I know I know what you're getting at. Yeah, it's just, you know, if you don't want it, it's fine. You say, oh, I'm going to keep it. I'm, I'll have it if you don't want it. I love it. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So, yeah, indifference is, is, is fundamental. So, don't if you try and sell things to people... Uh, again, in cold calling, a lot of people make that mistake. They're really like, oh, we've got this great product. You're just like... You just hang up, don't you? Boom, right? Whereas if you're very much more consultative and asking questions, you know, so exactly, you know, what, what, you know, how much do you spend on uniforms every year? And, you know, how do you find the quality of your current supplier? You know, if you start asking questions that people are interested, they want to buy from you. I totally agree. Yeah. I totally, totally agree. Totally yeah, agree. Fuji factors, they're called. F-U-G-I, Fuji factors. But, yeah, there's a ton of, ton of other things in there about, asking questions and do you use spin selling do you ever use any spin selling techniques no what we do try is do up sales okay so we 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 usually say you know what so if it's a larger like company usually what happens is they want to they want to renegotiate every three months every quarter basically right and so what we then try is to upsell and say listen this is the price right now and if we can secure the entire yearly contract I can give you 15% discount. We can upsell it. And if you don't take it, yeah. you know, I'm not sure if I can offer you that same price again in six months down the line. And you might have to go with somebody else that you don't really have trust with, that you don't really have reference with. So, you know, it's up to you. That's up how we normally do it. Upselling and cross-selling are two really underutilized things <coughs> as well. So upselling is, is brilliant. Cross-selling is something people just say all the time. Yeah, I don't know why. Most companies have a variety of products and services, and they don't couple it map out all their current clients. And it's really interesting because you think your clients know what you do. They don't. They're running their company. They've got no idea what other products and services you do. So if you go along and say, oh, we also do fishing or whatever it is, right? They'll be like, oh, really? So, yeah, cross-selling is brilliant as well as upselling. I, I mean, as long as you have a good relationship. I mean, more here, here in the Middle East than in the West – you can really you knock on that door. Absolutely. You can really like do all kinds of businesses and, and just really home on that business as long as you have that connection. Yeah. But yeah, brilliant, brilliant. So you know, once you've done your cold calling and bashing in the industrial estates, whatever else you're doing, yeah, it's then much more referrals and how well you perform and you know, sales becomes a lot 
not easier, but just a bit more different and a bit more chilled, doesn't it? Yeah. My, I mean, I, I, the, the hardest thing from, from my perspective is always the staff because tr training staff isn't ever easy because some people are really not meant for sale. They don't have really the gift of gab, you know, especially if somebody's a little uncomfortable on the phone call. And it more now, I think, than ever before because hardly any anyone Talk. talks anymore, right? <laughs> they all just WhatsApp and LinkedIn and all that. Be great channels though. Instagram is also another fantastic channel. People, you know, uh, what we do actually for for the for the LinkedIn uh, for the textiles one is I have a bot okay. and I set a script with the bot. So what it does is it looks through through my connection list and then sees who is connected with me. Then it try then it then it attacks messages people. Exactly. That are the people that I'm not connected with, but we share one connection with, okay. right? And then it's then it automatically just sends like 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 a, a message saying, "Hey, blank, whatever their name is." It just takes that that information from their contact sheet and puts it in, and saying, "I see that you have worked in X industry." Puts that information in. Uh, you know, I got your referral by X person who is in contact with, right? And I think we could maybe work something out. Or I think, you know, I have an opportunity for you. Or I think, blah, 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 blah. And then it just sends that off. And then after three weeks, no, not after three weeks, sorry, after three days or four days, it sends a second message if there's not been a reply saying, hey, you know what, I just want to check in again. I hope you're not ignoring me. You know, I, uh, <laughs> especially when you say, I hope you're not ignoring me, people, for whatever reason, immediately want to respond because nobody wants to look like they're, they're um, not being unkind, you know? No, but exactly, and so so the, the, and, and the same time the bot now just runs. <coughs> Whenever somebody's like a, event happens or post, it just automatically likes it. It creates engagement. Um, it recommends people for awards, you know, because you have that thing like for communication or whatever, whatever, whatever. Outbound LinkedIn is is gold, Dusty. Man, it's, it will have its time. I reckon. Give it one or two years of running. I think more and more people are clocking onto it, and you will get a bit spammy and a bit too much but for now it's it's, it's still good it, it's still good it's still good it's going to be replaced sooner or later by the next thing and i don't know what the next thing is going to be uh but it, it right now e e linkedin is still in this this beautiful stage where you can still naturally grow without having to spend money mm. and i think that's going to disappear soon i don't I, I think when you post stuff and stuff like that it'll be like instagram if you're not if you're not paying money to to have your post reach people you're just not going to grow I mean, you know, but they make a killing. I, I there's I don't remember who it was, but there's a guy who 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 uses Facebook in a really interesting way, in that he creates two separate posts. One is just to raise engagement, so he he will make a post with let's say it's a handbag company, and it'll just be like explaining the product, showing it some very you know sexy pictures from different angles, and he'll pay let's say I don't know a thousand dollars for just reach and then he'll set up a second script that will that will hit people about I think seven days to five days with a call to action but with the same almost images but not exactly the same just similar and he says it, it, the conversion rate is almost 30 percent okay. that's clever definitely look at that yeah 
I'll, I'll try to find you the guy who 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 uh, taught me about it. I've never personally tried it, but uh, he he swears by it. So Facebook used to do a service, so you could actually type in a product. So type in uh, like let's say type in I don't know scrubs, and it will show you where the most popular posts with that keyword. So if you're typing shoes or handbag or whatever, there you go. Isn't that isn't that good? You know what? I mean, I I never use Facebook ads or LinkedIn. I don't spend one dinar on ads because the other channels are just much better return on investment. Do you really think so? Like, yeah. For if if you're doing B two C or so look, if your deal size is a hundred dollars, right? Sure. Thirty dinars. Facebook ads, LinkedIn ads, Instagram ads, all of this is. Is it you have to do it, right? It's if you're running e-commerce, this type of business, you have to do ads, right? As soon as you're doing a deal size of ten thousand dinars and above, none of your decision makers are looking at ads. They're not on Facebook. They're not. It's, it's a different, a whole different mindset, a different way of doing. If you put it this way, if you spend thousands and thousands of dinars on Facebook ads trying to do B two B sale. A, you'll waste your money. B, the leads that you'll get will be really, oh, they'll be tire kickers. They just, oh, saw the ad and just thought I'd click on it and have a think about it. I totally agree with that. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. For B2B businesses, my advice is, unless you're doing something really specific, so say, say globally you're selling a widget and it's the only widget in the whole world, you know, then yeah, because people will find it and they click on it. But, yeah, for 99 B2B, 99% of B2B businesses, my advice is don't spend any money on ads. No, I agree with that. <laughs> <I, laughs> um, it just doesn't work. Because if you spend that money instead, right, on podcasts or doing, you know. Content. Yeah, just getting Educational. people workshops and, you know, paying someone like me to do some more email <laughs> and stuff, you know. It's, it's you heard that, folks. So <laughs> it, it <laughs> if that's not a hard sale, then I don't know what it is. $495. Sure. I'm transforming small businesses, right? You spend $495 on ads, what are you going to get per month? Nothing, right? $495 deals for you. Sure, right? sure. So it, it, it's uh, right, there's two things, right, with sales. One is ROI on what you're spending and what you're getting through. B2C businesses um, where you have click funnels and all this type of stuff you're very much focused on ROI salespeople we're much more focused on ROT return on time, time. Right? we've only got this much time in the day and we want to bring in a few million dinars worth of business we want right? to build an empire so, yeah, so, <laughs> so your sales are very much more focused on I'm going to spend this much time and I want, want this much but time is money but yeah business to business is much more about the time you spend with people time you're on process time you're putting people through your pipeline having to play it's golf with people you don't like exactly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's there is a there is a character i think you will definitely enjoy if you don't mind me saying so t uh, dan look up um tim Dillon, ceo of fake business he used to work in sales and now n not having to work in sales because he's a comedy guy he he, st he still pretends like he works in sales so he'll call up like real estate companies and and just pretend <laughs> like he's a client.
it's just because as you mentioned from uh, uh, rot he does not have rot <laughs> and then he, he'll, he'll say ridiculous stuff like saying like you know um i just uh, my client kind of is interested in the property he's just worried if there's any kind of lease restrictions and what kind of businesses can be in there you know is there a starbucks maybe in this like neighborhood and so we couldn't maybe open a coffee shop, that kind of stuff. And then, you know, <laughs> he would lead these four people on for like two, three weeks. <laughs> it's really, really cool. And then he'd just say, oh, you know what? The client died, so <laughs> I don't know where, where we're heading. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm the opposite. I think, I mean, comedy is brilliant. Comedy sells, right? Comedy Absolutely. is a, a really good. If you can put some comedy in your, in your sales process and pitch, it's good. I'm kind of the opposite. I'm too, as I said, I'm, I'm kind of boring and nice, right? So if people give me a cold call, I really appreciate that. I think, good for you. Good okay. for you for making the effort. See, you don't waste people, their time. Yeah, when most people get a cold call, they're like, oh, how dare you call me? You're, and they'll either waste their time, they'll keep them on the phone for ages, um, or they'll just say, don't ever call me again and hang up. I don't. I'm actually like, do you know what? The pitch is great. Thank you. So I've got no need for your service. I'm, let's not waste any more of your time, right? Um, but really good for you, you know, keep the good work up. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, it's great. People are actually getting out there. And when you get a cold email, I like it. You do? You know, yeah, and a lot of people get angry. Oh, why have you sent me an email? Like, no, it's someone's trying to reach out with a service they passionately believe in. Yeah, give them the time of day, you know. I mean, some of the, the meetings I've gone to, which has been really cold calling, locking on doors, Invite you in, give you dates, give you coffee, uh, look after you. And they're like, no, if you come to see me, I'm really appreciative of you coming. Through. These are senior people, right? Mm. You come all the way, you know, from across the desert. And come you and are ri me. you are a risk factor. You have your address on Google on Google Maps. <laughs> you know that people are just gonna start knocking on your door. <laughs> really like, hey, you know what? <laughs> You're welcome. Come and see me. Right? You're gonna regret that those words. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to regret those. You're going to call me <laughs> in three weeks' time and be like, fucking hell, Hamid, what have you done? Go to hypergrowth.me. Yeah. Uh, if you click on any of the links, there's mm -hmm. my Calendly page. Anyone can book time with me. Okay. Anyone. Okay. Right. So, so there you go. Don't show up to his to his address on Google Maps. Be, yeah. be kind. If you scroll up to the top again, right, if you click on, you see where it says free sales improvement workshop, scroll down a little bit. Scroll down a bit more. Yeah, always click on the icon. Yeah. Just Whatever. click that. You can now book me. It's open. Completely open. My door is open to anyone in the world, particularly Bahrainis and Saudis and people that want to boost their businesses here. Brilliant. Yeah, you can just book me up. Uh, well, you do stand by it, don't you? Four-day work week. <laughs> right? You do stand by it, don't you? <laughs> That's because Mondays is back-to-back -back with clients. Right. And then Fridays and Saturdays, I've got to do my best to try. I do have a secret link where you can book Fridays and Saturdays, but I won't tell you that one. Wow. <laughs> do you also use a blog, or are you not that interested in blogs? Yeah, not really. I mean, right, so as, as part of psychology and putting yourself out there that people want to buy from you, mm. you do have to position yourself as an expert because people are drawn to experts, right? So if you, sure. if, you if people perceive you as, right, this person is really good at X, Y, Z, they'll come towards you. So doing a blog, doing posts to make you, you know, writing a book, whatever it is you want to do, having content, 
So people think, actually, that person is that if I want a uniform, I'm going to go to Hamad, right? That's because I've seen you doing presentations about uniforms and stuff. It's good to do that. Because a sales channel in B2B, blogging, posting content, just doesn't work. It's a waste of time, right? It's people, they won't look at an Instagram post on uniforms and go, oh, I'm going to go and use this. But it just, it just doesn't work. B2C, great, right? B2C, you have to do a big content thing. The only reason I do occasional posts, and if you can see if you go to um, my business, I haven't posted for ages, but the only reason I do that is because what does work in B2B is engagement. Right, so for example, right, mm -hmm. if you're in a particular industry, say, I don't know, we're just selling cigars, whatever. Cigars is a great one, right? Um, if you can find an influencer or the world's best person who talks about cigars who's already got two million followers have a look at what they're posting every day or once a week or have a you know stick it in calendarize it because i always love calendarizing stuff right just every week for an hour look at what the top five people in your industry who each have millions of followers are posting look at their last five posts and comment on them right so if, if there's the best person who's talking about cigars has said you know ah, oh, there's this new cigar that's come out, and you know there's a better cigar or or the way to smoke that cigar, maybe there's a different knife you have to cut it off with or whatever it is, right? Post underneath it, yep, you're absolutely right. This is, you know, one of the best cigars that you can buy. Thanks for the advice, um, yeah. If you want to enjoy it even more, you know, make sure you moisten it first, whatever it is, right? Do, do X, Y, Z to use this product even better. The amount of responses, you because there's a million people following this person and then you've just commented underneath it with some extra really helpful advice, you get loads of people. Ah, so when I've done that before, mm. if people comment about sales, uh, you know, post, they, they do the posts on sales, I then comment underneath it saying, that's absolutely right, that's absolutely the way you should do pitch. What I also do is try indifferences, right, whatever it is that, that you wanna put in your pitch. I've got loads of business through that because people are just clocked it, right? So email. You know, people write, ah, oh, email marketing is still quite good in the Middle East. I write underneath, you're absolutely right. It's very underused. Uh, I send out 7,000 emails per week to all of my clients. The number of people I've come back, oh, can you do that for me? <laughs> so engagement for business to business, posting doesn't really work. But with, right, your, like with your client base, because I saw now on both your websites and on your LinkedIn, I think the, the key factor that I think you're, you're not hitting, if you don't mind me saying, is is not getting enough customer feedback i think that's the key ingredient that you're really missing is is just after you've helped that client whatever anything like hey you know what do you mind if we take a two minute video one minute video explain the process how do you find it how did it grow how did it help blah 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 and then post that content out right because that immediately then verifies your business and establishment i've got one i mean on the website if you look at clients there, there's one on there but People confuse testimonials with case studies. Sure. Testimonials, oh, I can't be bothered with. They're like, they help, but so what, right? Testimonial, again, B2C. You're very, very B2C focused, right? B2C. Oh, you know, Sharon uses this product. I want to use this product too, right? It's a very, testimonials are very B2C. B2B is much more around case studies, right? So a case study is structured very, very differently. So a case study is, and typically they they can be verbal, right? So, um, 
let, let me give you a case study, right? So, okay, there's, there's a, a guy in Australia called Anastasis, okay? He runs a consulting and training business, and he's run it for 10 years, all right? And for the last 10 years, some years he's made a bit of a profit, some years he's made a bit of a loss, but after 10 years, really not much to show for it. So he was actually thinking he was going to shut down his business. He's had enough, going to shut it down. And I said, Anastasis, don't you know, I can help you with sales. I can really help you drive your business forward. And his main problem was lead generation. He's just not getting enough leads, right? So he's sitting there, great product, great service, no one to sell it to. So I worked with him for six months. Um, I asked him at the end of six months exactly what I'd managed to do for him, right? So he said, Miles, the big thing you did for me was I've now got 10 times the leads I've ever had in my life, right? By implementing my system, now got 10 times the leads and 10 times the business. But he said, in addition to that, the best thing is by running this hypergrowth program and looking at this system, I'm now spending half the time generating these leads. So I'm generating 10 times the number of leads for half the time because I've systemized it all and got it going. Now that's a case study and everyone who, if you're in business to business and you know, you can relate a case study to someone with who they are, what their problem was, what action did you do, and what the result was, that's gold dust. So business to business is much more case study focused, whereas testimonials, you did that for someone else, so what? So it's, it's a, it, they're very different. People confuse case studies and testimonials. No, no, I, so I, for I, me, testimonials aren't of any use at all. Really. And, 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 and for case studies, how would you present that? Would you present that as a presentation or would you present just that? Just as I've done now. Just verbal. as a verbal yeah. voice message. So if someone says to me, you know, if I ask someone, so, so you know, what, what, what is your, you know, what's the biggest thing you're struggling with in sales, right? They might say, well, it's conversion, right? So I'm getting the leads, but, you know, only one in 10 of them are turning into clients. You bash straight into a case study. Well, it's Hamad. It's interesting you say that. Well, this client <laughs> I worked with, right? They, they had exactly the same problem. They were generating <laughs> 300 leads every week and only converting four of them into clients, right? So they went through my hypergrowth program. They we gave a completely new sales process. We analysed exactly what their qualification criteria was. They went through the program. In six months, they were now closing 50% of their deals. I love your sales yeah. tactic. Do you, uh, no, I haven't sold anything. I've just said what I've done. So the indifference, it's up to you if you want. Do you want that result? I love it. 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 So yeah, B, I B2B, love it. You, B2C and B2B are so fundamentally different. And most people who are in B2B sales use B2C lead Mechanisms. gen, B2C systems, and they fail because they don't understand the difference between them. I love it. I love it. And and how do you how do you find in most cases the decision makers? Not oh. just by title. You have to show up and then you have to look at the room and then figure out, you know, who's everyone listening to. Yeah, you see when yeah, you're talking now more consultative sales, right? When you're doing exactly. bigger 10 million dollar type sales, okay. So th this is yeah, the the type of stuff I do in hypergrowth is I've focused much more on the the SME market. Mm. Small sales between a few thousand dinars up to 50,000 dinars. That's that's kind of what I do, right? But I have done much bigger consultative sales in, in, in my career, right? So yeah, this is, consultative sales is now one different. Then you've got key account management, which is also another different skill, right? So there's, you know, 
you have to identify you, which you have target to know exactly. where you are and then use the right systems and processes. Consultative sales is much, much longer, much deeper. You're mapping out relationships. Um, you know exactly who the decision makers, who's the plant. You know because you within each sale you're going to have one person or just a load of information. I don't know why, but there's always one person who's really friendly and they'll tell you where everything maps out. You're going to have people who are against the sale. Um, who you know you have to purposely sideline them or overturn them. Mm. Um, you have champions. You'll have the decision makers. You'll have influencers. You have to map everyone out. And a good consultative salesperson will walk into a room of eight or ten people, and within a few seconds, go <laughs> they're them, they're them, <laughs> right? And you, that's just something you have to learn. That's a skill, absolutely, right? Absolutely. Because yeah, the decision maker often isn't the most senior person because the most senior person will be like I actually I want you so you, you just have to be completely ready. agree with you I completely agree with you it's usually the person who's the quietest in the room yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not out of ten times it's always usually that person mm. and the person who who the whole everyone looks at mm. right that is usually the the, the power yeah. structure yeah. and if you can convince that quiet person and get him into involvement then you're more likely to close whatever avenue you're trying to close and it is the, the psychology of consultative sales is is fascinating it's quiet people o often you find in group settings it's someone who's coming out with the most objections they're actually the keenest the bite it's really weird it's uh yeah it's a difficult because, because they they, they want to show to the rest of the group that you know what i'm making my job i'm doing serious work you know <laughs> It's 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 amazing. It's amazing because how, how do you, especially with like medium to smaller companies, how do you then sidestep the issue of reaching the decision maker? Because even if you're selling in a smaller business, you, the person you're likely talking to, especially when they reach out to you, isn't usually the decision maker. It's usually the secretary. It's usually whatever, whatever, whatever. Because the way I fixed my issue was through the podcast. That's how I handle that situation. I've only found that, but I, I only speak to the decision maker. I mean, it's why would you speak to anyone else? Um, if it's an inbound inquiry, um, because that's how so a lot of our business also works inbound okay. inquiries. Yeah. Okay, well, I mean, I teach people a five step sales process. So, step mm. one is, is, your, is your phone call. And in a phone call, um, you have to nail three things, right? You have to get them really excited about wanting to speak to you more. Not necessarily excited about your product, Sure. really excited about wanting to speak to you again in a sales meeting. You have to book a sales meeting. So you actually have to book it in the calendar. And the third thing is you have to qualify this opportunity because if you don't qualify, don't book a sales meeting, right? And the qualification criteria, they're very, very simple, right? Is it the decision maker? Do they have budget? Do they have need? And is there some form of urgency? Is there a date they, they need this by, right? So if any one of those four things isn't there, don't have the sales meeting. Thank right? you. So totally agree. It, and it's, if you over-disqualify people, all you've done is you've spent 10 minutes on the phone, bang, you can crack on with the next lead, right? If you, uh, if you mess up that qualification, you're now going to spend two weeks, two months of your life speaking to someone who's never going to buy from you, right? The, the impact of not qualifying people in that very first phone call is massive. And people, because they want to sell and they're so keen to sell, they like bringing people into the sales process. Don't 
over-disqualified. <laughs> if, you, if you say, so, oh, Thank you're you. quite the right person, I can't deal with this because maybe your budget's not quite set yet. Um, I'll tell you what, why don't you call me back in six months, right? If they are keen, they'll go, no, 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 and they'll try and... And if they're not, they know they're no, wasting they're their time. You're kick, yeah, absolutely, they're kicking the tire. So if you're generating enough leads and you've got a good reputation, everything else is right, over-disqualify, right? Because it's, it's much better, ROTI, much better ROT, much better use of your time. But yeah, if they're not the decision maker, why have a salesman team? Absolutely. Right, right? A, I mean, uh, th th right, of the four things, right, if they've not got budget, mm. they're not going to have budget. You can't change that. Um, if there's no urgency, so if there's no, then just say, come back in, in six months, right? If there's no need... Then why are you even having this? Yeah. The only one you can fix is decision maker, right? So if someone rings you up and they're not the decision maker, be really firm about it, but be nice, you know? So, you know, so, you know, I don't know, whatever service it is. Uh, so the last marketing project, you know, are, are you the person that ran the project? They go, no, 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 it's actually my boss that, that runs all the marketing projects. And then you say, okay, to save time, uh, why don't you get your marketing boss and the three of us will have a meeting next week on Tuesday. How about that? Mm, mm, right, just mm. bring them in. Just bring the decision maker in. You could be nice. If they say, no, 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 I just want to say, well, I'll tell you what, go and have a look. If they're not interested in bringing the decision maker in, go and have a look at the website. Go, come on, next lead. You know, just don't. I totally agree with you. I totally, totally agree with you. I, especially on, on bringing, it, bringing your manager in while that person also is part of the meeting because then they're not feeling like they're, they're being like cut out. You know, if you just... Be nice. Exactly. Yeah. If you say like, oh, you know what? Just get your boss to call me. That, that is... Nine out of ten times, that's, that phone call ain't going to happen. <coughs> or tell me who your boss is. I'll call them. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, bring them all in together. Exactly. I totally agree. I, I think the one of the key issues I think that, that sadly is a little different in, in, in my industry is that it, it is it is very weird still. You know, I've had meetings where, where somebody said to me, you can't meet the decision maker because I'm the decision maker. And I was like, what are you talking about? You're, the, you're, you're not the decision maker? And he was like, you don't understand. I need my cut. You know, <laughs> right? Or I had, I had one guy who, who said to me, um, uh, 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 it, I'm not going to give you the contract because because no no amount of no no amount of I'm not going to give you the contract because even if you would give me money it would be no amount more than me giving my contract to the cousin right and you're like <laughs> or you, or the worst ones by the way there's a lot of people by the way who will call you to get to get an estimate of a, of, of like like larger order 500 units a thousand units or blah 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 just to put on the books that they made the three phone calls that they got three bids in okay. right and you can you can be easily the cheapest you can easily be the best you can be the most expensive you can be whatever you want on that list but they're already going to go with cousin so y there is a lot of like 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 a lot of things that really need still to be cleaned i think in saudi arabia is much much better now i i, I think you're right i think it's like 10 years ago um it was much more prevalent today. I mean, if you think of all the changes that have gone on, yeah, you're right, particularly in Saudi. I mean, you know, they, they've cracked down on it big time. Like it's, it's kind of not worth doing that anymore. It's like, it's, I mean, my business, sure. well, 100%, I never do any of it. If, you, if you're not going to, if you don't, it's the indifference. If you don't want the best, then you don't. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Right. I'm totally but with you. Different countries are different. 
Um, I mean, one company five, six years ago effectively frozen out of Kuwait. Just couldn't get any business in Kuwait at all for that business. For, for mm. that reason, in that particular industry, it was very... Stonewalled. Yeah. Let's put it that <laughs> way, right? Let's put it kindly. Yeah, but... I mean, as I say, I just think it's changing so rapidly I now. This totally and it's agree. literally post-COVID. People are just behaving very different. They're much more, if you can deliver a service which is better and cheaper, why would you go to your friend anymore? I'll go for the better service, right? Because you want to run a business. You've got to, you know, we're all going through a time when you've got to be saving money. You've got to be running business as profit. Absolutely, absolutely. But you're not talking to the owner of the hospital, right? You're talking to the general purchaser, whoever the, the that like department, right? And right, and uh, you know, they they got to make sure that ki- that cat's got the milk. Let's put it that way. I, mean, I think I think you're right though. Saudi's cleaned up a lot. Aramco is much better. And, you know, uh, yeah, but I mean, th- th- you know, th- gifts and stuff like that has always been part of larger enterprises and businesses, right? Well, you can't. With Aramco and Sabic. Of course. If you offer them something for one dinar, they'll refuse. Of course, right? of course. They'll just say no. No, no uh, because that's all been cleaned up now. It's, it's, it's you, know, you know, the old story was always, you know, a nice watch for Christmas gift or, you know, it was always, you know, uh, let's go for a golf course. Then, oh, by the way, how about a two-day vacation somewhere? Oh, it's the famous, let's have a meeting on Thursday afternoon in Bahrain. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> You know, and that's, that's, that's all kind of disappeared. But you know what, what is re- remaining, and I think what, what seems to be still prevalent in a good way, and I think a, a lot of enterprises and businesses don't do this enough, and that's to do gatherings in the sense of, yeah. you know, rent out a restaurant. It doesn't have to be the ex- most expensive, even if it's just like small food or blah, blah, blah. Invite your competitors, invite your c- customers, whoever you like, and, and, and I wouldn't invite them the same date, obviously. I would invite them at two separate events, <laughs> ideally. And that way you can, you can get to know your competitors. You can build a good relationship with them. It doesn't have to be always a fo- force of competition. And you can also invite w- separately, obviously, at a different date. So, so the way I do it with, sure. with my sales, weekly sales, we have a free channel, so email, um, LinkedIn, but then your webinars. The webinars you can do physically as well, right? So, and, and if you can, they're much, much better to do physically. So... The last one I did here, um, behind FinTech Bay, right? I got 35 people turning up, all potential clients, all interested in learning about sales, and gave them a two-hour workshop on sales. I taught them as much as I could in two hours. Sure. Now, at the end of that two hours, nine of them wanted to book a sales meeting with me. Nine of them had, they wanted work done on their sales process and stuff. So, these are, absolutely goldless if you can have a physical lunch and learn breakfast session or an evening session so i've run evening sessions in the british club and things like this and you know spend a little bit of money on dinner so everyone comes and does a free bite to eat but yeah the conversion of those events are just massive. especially with with if you have a meeting with like past clients future clients potential clients they talk to each other yeah miles is great he doubled my business you know come and yeah it's just brilliant no, the, so yeah, every what with my sales meeting service, it's it's all the outbound channels are driving people to come to these. I call them either workshops or I don't know, they're workshops, right? They want to come and learn something and get something really beneficial. Um, and I, all my clients, I mandate they do this, and it's yeah, they don't do it. And 
you can do it on Zoom. You can have a one-hour Zoom workshop. You can do it physically. It's much better. Do you do you do do you do the same thing as Tusk Ventures? What do they do? I don't know what. There, well, well, it's it's not the. I mean, they're they're consultancy for 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 politicians, getting rules passed, blah blah blah. But what what the, they're into, what they do is is send a seven a.m. Uh, uh, update. Every client gets like a personalized seven a.m. update, considering like what techniques they should be using for that for okay. for, and it gives them like almost like a daily update of what should they be like like actively hitting on or new techniques or new things and stuff like that. And uh, uh, Tusk, the guy who, who, who started it, says his conversion and re retention is unbelievable because clients really feel like, oh, you know, he's clearly working hard. If I'm getting this email at 7 a.m. in the morning, <laughs> it just gives them like an update. Yeah, no, I don't do that. I don't use you, should, you should definitely. You don't have to send it at 7. You can, you know, write in the evening and then just set a timer so it sends off at 7 a.m. I'm kind of doing. I'm, yeah, whether that would work as retention or upsell, I'm not sure. As I say, there's mm. there's, there's at least twenty different B two B channels. Mm. Every company has to decide. They have to pick five or six and do those five or six, right? Mm. And maybe that will work for for some companies. One of the big ones that isn't here in Bahrain that somebody should do is networking. Because what are we doing right now? Well. <laughs> <laughs> You know BNI and you know these networking companies, right? Toastmasters as well, That's Jesus. Toastmasters is here in Bahrain. That's true, but yeah, the Bahrain really lacks a really good networking structure. You know, a few different people have tried to set them up. They've never quite worked, or just haven't been sustainable. People haven't quite got the model right. I, I think the problem is not just that. I think the problem is also that that the retention is an issue because a lot of people come to Bahrain are seasonal. Right. I mean, not a lot of pe people like you, like you, for example, who's, who's been here for, for 11 years in and out. A lot of people are, you know, six months, a year, maybe three, mm -hmm. and then they're out again. And so that conversion process is very difficult. There was even the there was even that club. Remember um, that they closed down. It was called Capital Club. Yeah. OK. Yeah. And like the, all the financial minister, the ministers were always going there. But that also disappeared. They just couldn't make it profitable. But I mean, I it is it is a golden ticket, right? It gives you access to 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 very select few crowds. A very select crowd. No, <laughs> you're not you're not you're not sold. No, I, th I think the type of networking structure that that Bahrain needs is different. So I think that's look to get to see those people. Bahrain is very open. It's one of the things I love about Bahrain. Is Bahrain. If you want to see someone really senior, if you want to see the CEO of or GPS or whatever, and you really have a good reason to see them, they'll meet you, right? You, you More likely meet. than not, yeah. Bahrain is lovely like that. The, the hierarchy, and if you've got, an, if you can really help someone, they'll meet you, right? Um, what's I think what's needed for small companies here is more of a, you know, management level networking group. So, you know, the owners of small companies and business development people in, you know hotels or logistics and things like this can all get together and network that mm. that kind of doesn't exist that level of networking <laughs>